coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bow. Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. This is Sean Sparkman, your host. I'm really excited to be bringing this guest to you today. His name is Dr. Ryan Gottfredson. He is doing some really incredible work in the space of helping people create a positive mindset and letting that be the foundation of what you use for your life. So Dr. Ryan, thank you very much for being on the show today. Hey, uh, thank you. I've been looking forward to this. I'm excited as well. Great. And for the people that have no idea who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So as you said, I'm Ryan Gopperson. I'm a professor at Cal State uh, University Fullerton. And many people don't know this, but Cal State Fullerton, we have the fourth largest business school in the country. So we've got 40,000 students, 10,000 of those are undergraduate or, or business students, most of those being undergraduates. And so um, I focus my research and my teaching primarily on leadership. And so in addition to the work that I do at the university, I also do a fair amount of leadership development consulting. And, uh, and I've written a book, which we're going to dive into, which is called Success Mindsets. That is uh, kind of supplements my efforts that I'm doing when I work, that I do when I work with organizations. And what I find is in people's lives, typically where, where they choose to focus their life's work, there's some kind of personal thing in their life that happened or some kind of background item that really dove, you know, drove them to that particular field. So what drove you to leadership and mindsets? Yeah, let me give you maybe two answers to that question. So on one level, I, I, I'm coming at this from the leadership perspective. And I did my PhD at Indiana University and my dissertation was on leadership, which allowed me to review the last 70 years of leadership research. And one of the things that I learned from that review and also the research that I did for that dissertation is that the primary focus of leadership research, and I also think leadership development more generally, has primarily been on leaders' behaviors. In other words, if I'm a leader, what do I need to do to be effective? But that didn't really sit very well with me, not because I think that that's, I think it's a good question to ask, but it didn't sit well with me because I think it's a little bit short-sighted because my belief is that leadership is more than just doing the right thing. It's about being a certain type of person, being somebody that other people want to follow. And so for the last about six or seven years of my research, that's been the primary focus for me is how do we tap into this being element of leadership? So that's maybe at a little bit of a superficial level, but to dive in a little bit deeper, um, everything that I've done over the last 70 year, seven years has led me to mindsets because what I've learned is that mindsets are foundational to everything that we do. And as I started to learn about mindsets, I very quickly realized that I didn't have the most positive mindsets. Now, I feel like I've done some pretty cool things with my life and I got a PhD, 
But in reality, what I recognize is that any of the challenges that, that I was facing on both a personal or a professional level, I could connect back to my mindsets, which was really revealing to me because when I had gone through some of those frustration, frustrating moments, I had a tendency in those moments to blame those around me, whether that's other people or the organization that I was working for. And because I kind of thought that how I saw the world was the best way to see the world. And when I came to realize that how I was seeing the world wasn't actually the best way to see the world, I actually, it forced me to take ownership for maybe some of my missteps and some of this frustration. While that wasn't the most pleasant experience, at the same time, it was incredibly empowering because it allowed me, as I focus on mindsets, to become the driver of my future and of my success, as opposed to the passenger at the mercy of others. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I really love that you you share your personal experience because I think that's the most powerful thing when you're trying to teach somebody and you can say, yes, I've been there, I've done this, and this is how it impacted me. And just, you know, it's funny, I the way that you and I got connected was through a previous guest of mine on the show, which was Susie Siegel. And we, you know, our hour long conversation was very similar to what we're talking about today and her work is very similar to your work, but you guys have slightly different viewpoints on it. And I love that yours, you have a, a pyramid that you show everybody because I, I took your assessment and mm -hmm. in that pyramid is what? Your mindset, because from that mindset stems everything else like you were talking about, which I love. Yeah, so the basic idea of the pyramid is that how we see the world, so our mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we see the world. And so how we see our world shapes how we think, how we think shapes how we behave, which is the next step of the pyramid, and how we behave drives our success. And so in this pyramid that I show, it's generally got these four layers, success at the top, behaviors one layer down, thinking one layer down, and then the foundation is our mindsets. And as I work with organizations and also business leaders in terms of developing themselves, I would say that 90% of all organizations and individuals focus primarily on that first level down, behaviors. The basic idea is that if I can improve how I behave, then I will be successful. But what we don't recognize is what drives our behaviors, and that's our thinking. And I think about 9% of organizations and people focus there. And that's better because it's, it's deeper. But the most foundational component about ourselves is our mindsets. And I think only about 1% of people focus there. And that's what I'm trying to change is get more people to focus on our mindsets. Because as we improve our mindsets, our thinking and our behavior will naturally improve. And so will our success. And in fact, it's probably the most natural way to develop us, because if we just focus on pulling forward our behavior and our mindsets stay the same, those prevailing mindsets will continually resist the changes and improvements that we're trying to make in our behaviors. That makes sense. So for somebody that's brand new to thinking this way, as opposed to the old way of changing behavior and changing your thinking, what is their first step when it comes to trying to address their mindset? Such a great question because I've heard people say, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I've heard people say that mindsets are the secret to success. And I'm not sure I agree with it because I don't think that 
mindsets as being important for our success is a secret. But I, I think everybody kind of agrees that they're, they're really important. But the secret about our mindsets is what mindsets do we need to focus on? So when I go and I speak with different groups and organizations, I'll ask them, what mindsets do you need to have to be successful? And I'll generally get one of two answers. The first and most common answer is essentially just crickets. They're, they're not giving an answer. Or the second most common answer is a positive mindset, which I don't disagree with. It's just not very specific or precise. And, and so what I've done in my research is I've scoured the academic literature uh, across psychology, education, management, and marketing to identify specific mindsets that have been studied for 30 plus years that have been found to drive our thinking, our learning, and our behavior. And, and what I've done is I've just kind of pulled these different mindset sets together into one framework. And so I primarily focus on four different sets of mindsets. And when we can put labels and definitions to these mindsets, then we become empowered to investigate what mindsets we currently have. And also it helps us to identify what mindsets we need to develop if we want to unlock greater success. And so to get back to your question, the first thing that we need to do is we need to put labels on these different mindsets uh, because without those, we're kind of just shooting in the dark. I like that. And just to clarify for people that are listening, if you're not in the business world, you're getting close to retirement, or you're just completely a stay-at-home mom, whatever you may be, this is important for everybody. I know the research that Dr. Ryan has done is focused on leadership and business and management, but this can help improve everybody's life from the ground up. Am I right, doctor? No, you're spot on. In fact, I read an article this morning that I, I found very powerful. And in this article, it talked about how more and more research is showing that, that we can rewire our brains at any age. So we used to think that we our brains were kind of fixed when our brains matured somewhere between the ages of 25 and 35. But what we're finding more and more is that we we have great ability to rewire our brains really at any stage of our life. And one of the ways in which researchers are seeing this is, which kind of demonstrates how people can cognitively mature, is that oftentimes when we are younger, and that can mean different things for different people, but when we're younger, we have a hard time just mentally sitting with two opposing perspectives. When we have two opposing perspectives, we either ignore that or we jump to one side or the other. But what researchers are finding is that if we can have the mindset that we can sit with two opposing perspectives and weigh the merits of each and not necessarily rush to any judgment, that is a sign of cognitive maturity and, and essentially about our personal development. And, and this it, developing this mental skill is something that we're finding can occur at any point in our life. Uh, and so when we're talking about mindsets, it's you're right, it's really for everybody. Um, and, and it becomes easier for us to change our mindsets and develop more of this mental maturity if we have some of these labels to focus on. 
Yeah, and I really like that you put it into the labels because you're right. I'm sure everybody out there has heard, oh, you got to have a positive mindset or you have a negative mindset. But when you look at those, those are very broad. And a lot of times I've seen people don't quite understand what that means. And, you know, even myself personally, I've struggled where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I think I have a positive mindset. But what does positive really mean? So I love that as part of your assessment, you break it down differently and you have it in four different categories. So could you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, and if somebody's interested, this mindset assessment that we're talking about is free on my website, which is at ryangottfordson.com. And, and as I mentioned, I focus on four different sets of mindsets. Um, not, And we're going to include in the uh, show notes links to your website and whatnot for the people that are listening to the show. Perfect. And so I focus on these four sets of mindsets only for the fact that these have been demonstrated by 30 plus years of research to drive our thinking, learning, and behavior. So I think that there's other mindsets that are out there. I just don't focus on them because I don't feel like I have the empirical backing at this point in time to really um, kind of promote them. And so the, the four mindset sets that I focus on they all range on a continuum from negative to positive. And so there is a negative mindset on one side of the continuum and a positive mindset on the other side of the continuum. And based upon the research that's been done, the, the findings really do suggest that there's a more negative side and there's a more positive side. And so if we can help people awaken to where they currently are along each of these continuums, then that helps them identify their starting place and then where they need to go if they want to unlock greater success in their life, their work, and their leadership. And so that's a broad overview, and I'm happy to kind of go through each of these sets one by one. Yeah, if you could, just broad overview on each of the sets. That way people just kind of have a general idea of the different labels that are available so that when they do take the assessment, they kind of know what they're going to be getting into. Perfect. So the first set that I focus on is actually probably the most commonly mentioned. It's kind of more widely out there. And it's the difference between a fixed mindset, which is on the negative side, and a growth mindset, which is on the positive side. And when somebody has a fixed mindset, they don't believe that they or others can change their talents, abilities, and intelligence. So those with a fixed mindset generally think, oh, we are who we are and there's nothing that you can do about it. And what research has found is about 50% of the population has a fixed mindset. And of course, that means the other half has more of a growth mindset. And when we have a growth mindset, we do believe that we could change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. And the reason why these two mindsets make a difference in terms of how we think, learn, and behave is when we have this fixed mindset, and we don't believe that we can improve, how are we likely to interpret failure? So if I fail and I don't believe that I can improve, we're inclined to internalize that and see ourselves as being a failure. And of course, nobody wants to feel like a failure. And so those with a fixed mindset are primarily cued into avoiding failure or just flipping it another way is they're primarily cued into looking good. So that's the primary focus of those with a fixed mindset. They want to look good. Uh, they're going to avoid challenges because challenges are right for failure. They're going to um, be less likely to develop others. 
and they're going to be less likely to put forth effort in challenging situations. Whereas those with the growth mindset, because they believe that they can learn, grow, and develop, they're less concerned about failure. In fact, they often see failure as maybe the best way to develop. And so they're much more inclined to approach challenges, engage in effort when they're trying something new, and also persist when the going gets tough. So that's that's kind of the differences between those two. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I've talked about in some of my past shows and I talk about all the time because I'm a martial artist. And one of my first teachers talked about what he calls the 1% rule. And what that means is you get 1% better every single day. And it could be on anything that's little. It could be your relationship. It could be your mindset. It could be you know, your punch if you're going to relate it back to martial arts. But he said, if you knew that, you get the effect of compound interest. So 365 days later, you're 365% better. And it's funny because once I started going through the assessment, I'm like, oh, that's the growth mindset. So now I have a label for the rule that he put into place and kind of put it in a category now. Perfect. I love it. And so one of the things that you you kind of recognize even in yourself is that our mindsets, they do get shaped at a pretty young age, oftentimes because of how we're led by our mentors, by our parents and how they even compliment us. But our mindsets will change over time, given our life's experience, but also the culture in which we are involved in. So one of the things that I find when I work with organizations is that if an organization has a broad kind of collective fixed mindset and a new employee comes into that organization and they have a growth mindset, it generally over the mat over about the time of a couple of years, that person will actually shift to have more of that fixed mindset. And, and so um, what we've got to recognize is our mindsets are things that we choose um, but they have been influenced by previous life experiences as well as our current cultural situations. So the old adage of uh, birds of a feather flock together is true. It is because we're social beings. So we kind of play off of each other also. Um, and we're kind of in the middle of this um, virus pandemic. And one of the things, of course, that it's doing for all of us is it's enhancing anxiety and fear, which makes us inclined to want to self-protect as opposed to continue to reach out and help others. And when we feel in a position, and this could be even within an organization, if we ever feel like we just need to self-protect, we need to be seen as looking good all the time when it comes to a fixed mindset then we're, that's going to pull us more into these negative frames of mind. Um, but if we can create an environment of safety, then that's going to be much more conducive to those more positive mindsets. So really, culture, the culture that we're in has a pretty strong pull um, on our mindsets. But again, we can be really intentional about the mindsets that we want to have, and it really helps to have some of these labels. Yeah, and I can see how the culture that you're in can go right into the next set of labels, which is the open and closed mindsets, right? Yeah, correct. So a closed mindset is when we're close to the ideas and suggestions of others. When we have an open mindset, we're of course open to others' ideas and suggestions. And it's led me to wonder what leads somebody to have a closed mindset. And I think the primary reason why is 
those who believe that what they know is best have a tendency to have this closed mindset. Because if I believe that what I know is best, I want to be seen as being right. And to use an analogy of this, if we compare our mind to, our, to a bucket, if we have a closed mindset, we just believe that our bucket is full. And so what happens if we pour something into a full bucket? Well, it's just well, going to go off the side and nothing is going to be absorbed. And that's what happens. So if we see our mind as being full, we're going to we're, we're going to be reluctant to take on information. We're going to be reluctant to um, ask questions. Instead, we're going to be one, the one that's providing the answers. We're going to avoid new perspectives. We're going to see disagreement as a threat. But if we can just save some space in our bucket for the idea that we could be wrong, then this allows us the opportunity to have more of an open mindset. Because if we believe that there is at least a small chance that we could be wrong, rather than focusing on being seen as right, we instead focus on finding truth and thinking optimally. So we're much more inclined to ask questions instead of rush to providing answers. We're much more inclined to invite feedback, invite new perspectives, and we'll often see disagreement as opportunities to learn and grow. I really like that, and I like the analogy of the bucket. It reminds me of an old Japanese story that I heard one time where it's a master tea maker, and this professor from a university goes to see the master tea maker to ask him a lot of questions about you know, how do you make the best cup of tea, et cetera. And he goes in and he's sitting down with him and he's, the guy is talking and talking and talking, the professor is, and then the, the tea guy goes and starts pouring, you know, tea into his cup. And as the professor continues to talk, he eventually allows the cup to overflow until it goes into his lap. And so, of course, the professor jumps back and says, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? What, why would you do that? And it's the same analogy as the bucket. He goes, you came to me to ask questions, but you're like the cup. Your cup is already full and overflowing. So how am I supposed to answer any of your questions? Love it. That's perfect. That's such a great analogy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard it from Bruce Lee is, is the one who told the story. And I actually, my wife is an artist and she made me a painting that I asked her to make. And it says, empty your cup. And I have it on my office wall. I love it. You're going to have to take a picture and send it to me. That's fantastic. I will. Yeah. No, oh, that's great. And I think, you know, I for each of these mindset sets that we're talking about, I've, I've recognized that I've been on the negative side of each of these continuums at different points in my life. And my guess is that most listeners here can relate to there's times where we just maybe see ourselves as the expert. And so we're quick to want to contribute. And oftentimes what we don't realize is that when we are really quick to contribute, we're stifling the voices of others and we're not really creating a psychologically safe environment for those around us. And, and so a, a better premise to operate from is, is again, just believing that we can be wrong and seeking out, out the voices and perspectives of other people. And so you're talking about promoting other people, right? Yeah, and, and just their ideas. One of the things, I'm, a, I'm also a former Gallup consultant when we look at, in Gallup, we looked at employee engagement within organizations. And one of the things that I found is that the number one factor that drives employee engagement is their belief that their opinions count. 
So if an employee could strongly agree that their, their opinions cannot work, so this is a five on a five point scale, 95% of those employees were engaged. And this is in a database where in the United States, only 30 to 35% of employees are engaged. And so if people feel like they have a voice, they're gonna be emotionally connected to their work in their organization. The problem is, is that oftentimes these closed mindsets in organizations shut down the voices and opinions of others. And it's, it's not that we always have to run with the ideas and suggestions of others, but it's critical that those ideas and suggestions are heard and that they're validated. Yeah, I like that and it makes a lot of sense to me. So that goes right into the next set of mindsets, right? The promotion and prevention. If you have that promotion mindset, then you're gonna be building this type of culture, right? Generally, that's the case, yes. So uh, the prevention's on the negative side, and this is when we have a prevention mindset, our primary focus is on not losing. Uh, the positive side is this promotion mindset, and our primary focus is on winning. And let me use a, a different analogy to explain the power of these mindsets. So if we, if we imagine that we're a ship captain in the middle of the ocean, and if we have a prevention mindset, our primary focus is on not sinking. So we don't want any problems to occur. We don't wanna take any risks. We don't wanna rock the boat because we don't wanna end up in the bottom of the ocean. And that's really easy to justify because nobody wants that to happen. And, but when a storm comes on the horizon and our primary focus is on not sinking, I guess maybe I'll, I'll just kind of quiz you on this. If you're the ship captain, your primary focus is not sinking, a storm is coming on the horizon, what are you going to do? What's going to be your natural response? Well, you're you're going to not want to move or go anywhere. Well, and, and in fact, if that storm's coming towards you, you're probably going to want to run from the storm. Yeah, yeah. Right? Go you're going to want to go to a place of safety. Right. But then we've got to ask ourselves, is this place of safety, maybe it's a harbor or a port, is this the destination that we originally set out for? And odds are is that it's probably not. And so oftentimes when we have this prevention mindset, it's really easy to justify because we don't like problems. We don't like discomfort. But at the end of the day, we get blown about by the winds and the currents of the sea. And we are effectively the passenger in our life. Now, oh, somebody- You said that at the beginning of this whole conversation where you talked about how you felt like you were a passenger. Yeah, and this was one of these mindsets that historically I've kind of struggled with. In fact, I think that I chose my career path of going into academia primarily because I had a prevention mindset. Like I said, I think I did a cool thing in getting a PhD, and that's a lot of work. Not too many people do that. But the reason why I chose the career path was largely because I saw that professors had really good work-life balance. I mean, they get paid a decent amount of money at least those that don't work in Southern California like I do and a relative. <laughs> uh, and, and then they don't seem to be busting their butts off, right? They get to spend time with their families. And, and so that was kind of my motive for going into academia is to just kind of live an easier life. But when I hit, uh, I was about 33 when I started really diving into mindsets. And I just realized I had not accomplished what I, I felt like I could have accomplished by that point in time in my life. And 
and at that time I was given a book uh, by a business owner and he says, this book is gonna change your life. And I, I look at it and the book is called The Five Minute Journal. And in my head, I'm thinking, there's no way in hell I'm doing this. Like I'm not journaling. It's just, I'm not a journal. But then of course, <laughs> I, outwardly, I'm like, oh, that's so nice of you. I love books. Like, uh, yeah, I'll take it home, I'll do it. And, and so I took it home and I, I just kind of said to myself, yeah, I'll give it two weeks, right? So the five minute journal is literally, you're meant to spend five minutes in it every morning and every evening. And it, it prompts you every morning with three questions, such as I am grateful for, and then you fill in three options. What are three things that would make today great? And then fill in some self affirmations. And then at the end of the day, it, you fill in what are three amazing things that happened today? And how could I have made today even better? And as I did this on a daily basis, what I was actually doing is I was exercising my more positive mindset neural connections in, in terms of my promotion mindset, because it's forced me to figure out what am I going to create with today? And it forced me to think, how do I make today better than yesterday? And then as I did it more and more, it got me thinking, how do I make this week better than last week? How do I make this month better than last month? And over a period of time, through small, simple, daily intervention, I was able to exercise and strengthen my more positive mindset neural connection to develop more of this promotion mindset. So it, it really was, and, and by doing that, that's what led me to start my own business, which I had been reluctant to because with my prevention mindset, starting a business is risky, going into debt is risky to, to start that business, both things that I've done. Uh, I've written a book, like we wouldn't be having this conversation if I hadn't have made that shift to more of this promotion mindset. That's a really cool story. It's been a fun, fun experience. And so let me just kind of wrap, wrap this up just really quickly because I haven't really described what that promotion mindset is. And so if, if we're a ship captain with the promotion mindset, it's not that we're not concerned about sinking. We are. But our primary concern is on a specific destination and making progress towards that. And so when the storm comes on the horizon, we ask ourselves, does that storm stand between me and where I want to go? And if the answer is yes, then we prepare to face the storm. We batten down the hatches and we become willing to take the risk to brave the storms, brave the winds and the storms of the sea. Because that's the only way we are going to get to our destination. And so when we take on this promotion mindset, we become the driver of our lives and, and the creator of our future, as opposed to the passenger, if we have that prevention mindset. I really like that. And, you know, there in the Japanese word for it is tamashi. And I learned this in the martial arts, obviously, and it's called indomitable spirit, where no matter what comes along your way, no matter if you fail, you don't fail, the storms like you're talking about, you're driving your boat, you're going to go through that storm no matter what, because you have your mind set on the destination that you want to go to. And, and I love that type of mindset. And it's, that's a really cool one. So what are the next couple ones that people are going to be focused on? Yeah. And the last set is the difference between an inward mindset and an outward mindset. So when we have an inward mindset, we just tend to see ourselves as being more important than others. And when we see ourselves being more important than others, we're inclined to see others more as objects, that their needs and wants just don't matter as much as my needs and wants. 
So let me give you a quick example of this. And I, I don't know if you deal with this where you live, but we've got a fair amount of traffic here in Southern California. And so imagine a situation where you're driving down the freeway and there's somebody who puts their blinker on to enter into your lane, to merge into your lane. Just imagine, have you ever been in a situation where rather than let them in, you kind of sped up and didn't let them in? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah so, I'm, I'm probably guilty of that more <laughs> often than not. <laughs> right? So you're not alone. It's kind of welcome to the club, right? And, and this, to me, this is a great example of just a situation where we might have an inward mindset. Because really what we're telling ourselves is this space in this row of traffic is more important to me than it is for you. And, and oftentimes we're going to justify this because, I mean, in reality, it's kind of a jerk thing to do unless you're really kind of trying to, there's a safety reason for it. But if you legitimately just kind of speed up just to not let them in, that's kind of a jerk thing to do. And the way that we justify it is we'll oftentimes blame not the driver, but we'll say, oh, that car, as opposed to that person because what we're doing is we're objectifying them. So in any instance where we're treating somebody in a not very positive way, it's generally we have this inward mindset and we're objectifying them. We're seeing them as maybe an instrument to get us where we want to go or a barrier that might be standing in our way. And then the opposite of this inward mindset is an outward mindset. When we have this outward mindset, we see others as being just as important as ourselves their needs and their wants matter just as much as my own. And when we see others in this way, we're able to see and treat them as people and people of value as opposed to objects. So that's the difference between those two mindsets. Yeah, I really like that. And, you know, I took the assessment and the one that I actually scored the least amount on was the inward versus outward. I scored more on the inward side than the outward. And, it, you know, I can see that because when, I'm driving like we were just talking about. I, I typically want to get somewhere faster. So it's more important to me to not let you in so that I can keep going to get to where I'm going. And that's something that, uh, you know, I really took from the book so that I can work on it to further myself towards that outward mindset because I'm always trying to grow and become better. And it's one of the things that I really like about what you've done. And I didn't know that about myself, even though I've taken some other assessments until I took yours. I didn't know that exact part and wasn't able to pinpoint it that way. And you're not alone. So I feel like out of these four sets of mindsets, this is the one that I struggle with the most. And I think it's probably the one that people in general fluctuate in and out of the most. And like you, I really, for most of my life, I kind of thought that how I saw the world was the best way to see the world. That my inward mindset, oh, everybody sees the world in this way. And it wasn't until I picked up a book that's called Leadership and Self-Deception. It's written by the Arbinger Institute. And they're a consulting group that focuses specifically on these two sets of mindsets. And they've got some fantastic books. But I picked up Leadership and Self-Deception and I read it. And it was such a awakening moment for me because it was the first time I was exposed to the idea that how I am seeing the world may not be the best way to see the world. And it was, it was very sombering at the same time because I recognized all of the instances in which I was living up to less than my ideal self because I was thinking of myself more than I was thinking about others. And, and so, and 
you know, maybe just kind of summarize all of these sets of mindsets that what I've learned as I've tried to get more on the positive side for each of these sets of mindsets and what I know about them is that if we can develop the growth, open promotion and outward mindsets, we're, we're going to be living up to more of our ideal selves and we're going to be having more of the positive influence that we want to have in the lives of others. It can be a really deep introspective journey for us um, because we're really uncovering the most foundational aspects about ourselves. And that's what, what for me has been so powerful. And once I get to that, that foundational layer, then it's okay, there's a lot of self-awareness that comes with that. And also this empowerment to change at a very foundational level. I absolutely love it because I'm like you, I want to get down to that foundational level about myself and find ways to improve. And I love that what you've done, your work, your book, and the assessment has really helped me. And I know it's going to help others that are out there. So moving forward, uh, outside of your work that you've done, what are you curious about? Great question. To me, I'm, I'm curious about how we can better help leaders and people unlock more of their potential. Let me give you an example of this. You're, you've mentioned how you're into martial arts. Do you follow football at all by chance? Uh, a little bit. I'm not as much into football as some other people, though, but my, I have some good friends that are, so I hear a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. So there's a gentleman named Tom Coughlin, and he's just such a great case study for this. Tom Coughlin is the former head coach of the New York Giants, and when he was with the New York Giants, he won two Super Bowls. So he's a pretty successful leader, as we would say. Tom Coughlin's also known to be somewhat of a disciplinarian. So he's kind of goes off of the Lombardi motto where if you are five minutes, you're only on time if you're five minutes early. If you're on time, you're actually late. And so when he was done being head coach of the New York Giants, he took a position as president of operations for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars have historically been not a very good football team. And so we've got to imagine that he's taking this position because he believes that he can make a have a positive impact on this football team, that we could, he could turn around this ship and leave a lasting legacy for himself. And during the course, uh, so he's there for two and a half years, and during the course of this last season, the NFL Players Association came out with a report. To put this report in context, the, the players of the Jacksonville Jaguars represent about 3% of the NFL because there's about 32 teams. And this report by the Players Association said that of all of the complaints that they have received across the NFL, 25% of these complaints have come from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. And this was, so 3% is leading, you know, has 25% of the complaints. And this led the Players Association to actually say that they cannot recommend that other NFL players play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and rightfully so, fired Tom Coughlin essentially on the spot. And so here's the situation that I think is so fascinating because here's Tom Coughlin, and I think we've got to believe that he's stepping into this position to have a positive influence and he ends up actually having a negative influence. And this, this scenario is not uncommon. I mean, we see statistics like 
60% of employees say that their direct leader damages their self-esteem. And 65% of employees would rather have a different leader or manager compared to more pay. And I, I've yet to meet a leader who says, I wanna be a terrible leader. I mean, all the leaders that I meet say, I wanna have a positive influence on the teams and the people that I lead. But despite all of these leaders' great intentions, it's really common for them to have negative effects. And so to go back to your question of, you know, what's capturing my mind is I'm trying to figure out what are the best ways to help unlock leaders' potential self-awareness so that their influence matches their intentions. And I think that this work on mindsets is one of those stepping stones to get there because we're, we're focusing on a deep level introspection, deep level self-awareness at the very most foundational aspect of themselves. So I think that oftentimes the leaders that are having these negative effects, often unintentionally, I think they're having these effects because they have negative mindsets and they don't see that they have those mindsets. I really like that. And I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I love what you're doing, like I already said. And before we wrap this thing up, I have one last question for you. Is there any questions that I should have asked that I haven't? Oh, that's a good question. Let me let me maybe just, uh, one of the questions that you could ask that I've been asked on other podcasts that have been on, or if, if people want to dive into this information more, what are some sources in which they could dive into it? And so, um, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of self-promotion in that I've, I have my book, which is called Success Mindsets. The ebook and audiobook are available on my website, as well as on, on Amazon, Audible, other places that you can find books like Barnes and Nobles, etc. The print version of the, of the book comes out May 5th, and, and so it'll be available then. But beyond my book, uh, some other books that I would encourage, I've already talked about leadership and self-deception. There's a book by Carol Dweck called Mindsets, and she focuses specifically on the fixed and growth mindsets. There's a book called Principles by Ray Dalio, and he focuses largely on that open mindset. Um, also, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. He's, a, he's the president of Pixar Animation and also Disney Animation. And I think that that might be the best business book I've ever read. And it's kind of a combination of both the outward mindsets and also the promotion mindsets. Um, so I think, anyways, if, if anybody's a bookworm out there listening, like me, I think that those are some fantastic resources um, to kind of go uh, on the next steps in your journey. Hey, I'm a bookworm myself, so I haven't read all those ones that you've listed. So I'm going to have to pick up a copy of some of those myself. So thank right. you very much for sharing that. And of course, we're going to have all of the links to Dr. Ryan in the show notes. Thank you very much for being on the show today, doctor. And for those that are listening, this has been the Safe and Sound podcast with your host, Sean Sparkman, always bringing you new people every single week that we can from all over the country to help you improve your life and make a safe and sound lifestyle from beginning to end. So thank you very much for listening. And doctor, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 
800-985-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave. 